Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. You know, Jerry, I have a question for you. You were assistant superintendent. Did you ever get, you never got your um, doctorate, did you? Oh, Jamie. Do we did you think about it? There? I do. We do have to go there, actually. I am ABD. I have started four dissertations. I have, I just, I was so busy doing other things. Yeah. But I put it on the back burner. And um, it is a regret that I have that I should have that up because I was so close, so close. But wow, didn't do it. But you're talking past tense. I don't think it's too late if you got that far, right? It Never probably know. isn't. I have looked into it a couple of times and it seems so price prohibitive at this uh, point. That's me. true. But, you know, that's true. That's true. Well, we're going to be digging into this a little bit today. And I'm curious about some of the trends, um, if yes. it's going up, going down, thesis trends. I'm really looking forward to it today. Absolutely. Yes. So we have two guests with us, Tracy Mulvaney and Bill George, and they are the leaders at their university in the education leadership and counseling department. And they are mainly in the education leadership part. And so it is interesting to, it will be interesting to hear what they have to say about the trends moving forward. So Tracy and Bill, welcome. We are so glad to have you here. And um, so tell us just a little bit about yourselves, where you are, and just a tiny bit about the work that you're doing. And I guess we'll go with ladies first, Tracy. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, So I am, uh, like you said, Tracy Mulvaney. I am an associate professor in uh, in educational leadership. And I came to this position just recently. Um, I was the assistant dean for the School of Education for the last six years, and I decided I'm ready. I'm ready to just really focus my efforts and energy into teaching and supporting doctoral students through their dissertation process. So, um, you know, if you want to think about coming back, yeah, we get them through. We get them through uh, the dissertation process. But anyway, um, and I can have to talk. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Through a long career in education as a special education teacher as a principal, and then as a district level administrator for alternative programs in Arizona. So uh, it's it's been great. I spent 30 years in Arizona and I came back home to New Jersey and I love it here. The educational systems are so amazing. It's so different that uh, they, you know, the taxpayers invest in it. I know it's a, it's a complaint, high taxes, but the investment is there in terms of educational return. And I get to work with awesome and cool people like Dr. George. Who has uh, who is the only other faculty uh, in ed leadership and has become a very 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 good friend. And Tracy, that was a great segue for Bill. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here, Jerry. Um, Thirty-four plus years in, in education. Um, came to Monmouth as a full-time faculty member, assistant professor, uh, two years ago. And, um, but I've been an adjunct at Monmouth um, ever since I finished my doctorate in educational leadership many years ago. 
so more than uh, two decades as a as an adjunct before becoming a full-time faculty member and um happy to spend my lunch with you today because that's what it is for me my lunch i'm also an interim superintendent at monmouth ocean educational services so i work with um more than 200 school districts in the state of new jersey helping them with programs services um but very very honored and proud to work with dr mulvaney um and and serve monmouth in the role of educational leadership faculty member yes well you are a busy man well, and that's retirement, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that what retirement is? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm I'm interested to start out with how is enrollment? Are you seeing um, numbers the same? A decrease? What are you seeing? So I do all the data uh, analysis and stuff. Like I lead in the data and accreditation at Monmouth. So. Um, in the Ed leadership program, our our uh, when we when we started the program in 2017, our goal was to get 12 students um, every year. And the first two years, we had 24. We started with 24. 20 finished their classes. Same with the second year. Our third year, we we went down a little bit, but during COVID, our numbers skyrocketed to uh, in the 30s. And so um, we had. We, you know, we just graduated students that had, some of them had never stepped foot on campus until they received their diploma in August, um, some of our higher ed uh, track students. So um, the last two years it had, has been around 30 and then um, it's just Bill and I, we had a Dean that was very engaged in our uh, program that left, that retired. Um, and so uh, we have less hands to do that work. And so we were very happy to enroll uh, a class of 17, but we're already gearing up for next year's cohort. We interviewed someone last night. Bill's been interviewing people all along. So um, we do a lot of social media, um, you know, uh, brag about our students, brag about the dissertations, whoever's defending. And so people see, wow, they're really moving a lot of people along at Monmouth. So we get a lot of calls. So I, I believe now, now having said that in ed leadership, um, you know, uh, in the doctoral program, we're doing great. Um, in our teacher prep programs and, and across institution uh, and nationally, the enrollment is going down in higher education. And because we're a private school and over 90% of our funding comes is tuition-based, um, our, you know, our enrollment can be great, but if it's not great everywhere, holding steady everywhere, then it impacts all of us. Um, but we're very fortunate. We have really high caliber students that we have uh, recruited and, and enrolled. And, uh, and we're hoping to keep it around that 17 to 20 mark. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Time will tell, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm sure that they're placed pretty quickly um, in positions that they want after they receive that doctorate, because it seems like there is a real push to get administrators into education now. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I, I think we are. You know, we, we've had since 2017, uh, 55 graduates, 86% of our graduates um, have finished uh, the program. 100% of our students that completed all their coursework are through the proposal process and 86% of graduation rate. 
um, uh, have graduated to this point. And with that, you know, comes promotions. Our program, I think, is unique in the sense, two things that I think really make our program unique is, um, first of all, we, um, we have sitting superintendents, assistant superintendents, principals, all, all forms of administrators, supervisors, sitting next to teacher leaders. And I think the collaboration, you know, it's a very collaborative uh, environment. And it, it, we, we, from the very beginning, Dr. Mulvaney was part of the, uh, the implementation of this program along with Dean Henning, as she pointed out. And they set it up where there was a teaching fellows or adjuncts, which I was at the time, sitting alongside with full-time faculty members and, and, um, and university administration dean, assistant dean, and Dr. Mulvaney at that time, that's what she was doing. So we, we, we were there from the very beginning, it was about creating a very authentic learning opportunity, right? So we wanted a traditional five chapter dissertation with the highest level of academic rigor. So when people graduated from this program, if higher ed was the track that they choose, that they were gonna have every opportunity to do that. But the same thing, it was just as important for us for a design-based research transformational leadership uh, a project that would give them the opportunity, and this is where it really connects to your question, Jerry, to create and implement meaningful, sustainable change in their districts and, and lead the, that research. So we connect that, you know, that literature review research in chapter two and methodology with practical programs that are being implemented in schools that are having an impact on student success. I think that's why we have the high graduation rate we, we do because educators, practitioners in the classroom and administrators um, probably very much like yourself are connected with what they're doing for students every single day. So we tried to connect those two things with that work. Um, Dr. Mulvaney at that time, as I said, as assistant dean was, you know, uh, more than faculty, she was administration that was really got the program set up that way along with Dean Henning. And it's been very successful with that model. And we we really haven't changed that model at all, right, Trace? Yes, it's, yep, yeah. It's been really exciting because the students are actively working these trans, you know, these transformative leadership or transformational leadership projects. And then they're studying them. They're studying them. Uh, and, and then providing that data to districts and, and some of our, we're bringing a group of six students nationally to the AASA, the National Conference on Education. Six of our students got selected. We got selected to do a presentation um, and that was, uh, that's done through, we have a partnership with uh, Ted Beal at Equitable who has, uh, has provided, who has been very supportive of our, all of our leadership initiatives. Um, and, uh, and so he wanted to uh, support uh, our, our uh, students and our doctoral candidates and our master's students through opportunities to implement impact change and then share that information and data on, you know, at a national, state, local level. So it's been really, it's really cool. It's really fun to work with, um, with people in different kind of sectors. It's, you know, so that was fun. That's fantastic. I mean, 
I, I see that there are so many different components to the success of your program between the mentorships, the collaboration that's built in, the authentic um, impact projects that the um, um, students are actually embedded in and embedding into their district, right? It's not some isolated work that they're doing. It's something meaningful that's going to make an impact in their district. Um, but also, you mentioned earlier, uh, social media, leveraging social media. Do you think that also um, yields some of the success that you're seeing? Bill and I will both say, like, without a doubt, 100%. Like, I have to tell you, Jamie, I was at a presentation, like, my first year at Monmouth. I didn't know Bill um, uh, from and maybe it was my second year. I, I just knew him as a school partner with Mammoth, and he's like Mr. Mammoth, like you know, Bill's face is on the wall in one oh, of he's our a celebrity. As an he's alumni. A celebrity. He's like a celebrity. Everybody knows Bill George. Yeah. But anyway, I was at a presentation that he was doing with two of our doctoral students, and it was during like a leadership summit that um, doc, who was Dr. Ray and who was the um, the program director at the time. He organized, and so Bill was one of the speakers. And they were talking about Twitter. And I'm like, in my mentality of Twitter, all my life was like, Twitter, like who cares when you, you know, like when you walk your dog and who cares when you, and, and now I'm like, first thing in the morning, <laughs> like looking at my Twitter. And uh, I signed up for the account while he was presenting and I became a prolific tweeter. I have a bunch of followers, like a, a real bunch, not as many as Dr. George, but, um, but we use that as a tool for recruitment. Um, we put all of our uh, celebrations, successes on there. Um, and uh, it's it, and I'll go places and people will go, or last night the girl that we interviewed go, said, oh, I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, kind of like a celebrity on Twitter. Well, that's <laughs> what like, made me think of the idea for this podcast because you just are churning out all of these uh, great. I mean, just highlighting what they're doing, celebrating their uh, successes, and it's really motivating and exciting. So I can imagine that really helps um, with your recruitment, but also it really shows what a collaborative and, I mean, you know, getting people who are hesitant, I think looking at how well you all work together and how it seems you are really true mentors in this process. And I think that might really help to alleviate some of that hesitancy that perhaps people have when they're trying to make that, that, that leap. And, and Jamie, you know, um, the, the, the work, um, the investment, around the doctoral program, the significant financial investment, we, we feel a tremendous responsibility to our students to, to, to make sure that we get past that stigma of a doctoral work, which is ABD, you know, as Jerry referred to earlier, you know, so many students. So, um, and Dr. Mulvaney is a literal rock star in getting in authentic learning. I mean, her students, you not only publish in our program when you graduate and you finish the dissertation process, but our, our faculty members, uh, particularly Dr. Mulvaney, um, really does a great job of getting our students published during that process. So when we can connect that to Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, 
you know, all of our accounts interconnected and gives us the opportunity to celebrate our students. It ties back to what I said in the beginning, we're helping them along with that transformational leadership project, build their brand, build their reputation based on their success, but most importantly, the student success with the partner districts that we, we work with and they represent as educators that work for those districts. So, and nobody's, nobody's students publish more than Dr. Mulvaney. She's, she's number one in that, I'd say that. What are some of the thesis topics that you're seeing? Are there trends? Um, do you have to coax people into doing particular things? Do you have a lot of like maybe leading questions that you use to get them to choose something? How does all that whole process work? Well, if, if I could just start, now I'm gonna turn over to Dr. Mulvaney because she's the dissertation chair expert. Nobody's served out more than her. Nobody's done more than her. But what I'd say is I teach the first class coming into the program, which is program analysis, we start with a needs assessment, right? So we want to know two things. What are the needs in education and where's your passion? Because you're going to work your tail off here and you better love what you're doing or you're not going to finish. So, I mean, that's, we, we really start with that. What's your need? We really love it when we can, uh, you know, take the, the district strategic plan, the needs of that district, most importantly, the needs of our students and the school community, and then we can add value through research. But I'll stop there and turn to Dr. Mulvaney because she'll take it to that next level on what we actually do with the research. So thank you, Bill. So Bill sells himself a little short because um, that work starts long before um, they get in his class. And I was reminded of this last night on the, on the interview because part of the interview process is talking about, you're gonna to have to do this um, transformational leadership project and a dissertation. That's gonna be the basis of your dissertation. And Bill is like the best cheerleader ever. He can like, I mean, he gets the students so pumped during those interviews. And, and I, we both are, you know, like we're excited about it. I mean, we love what we do. Like, uh, I couldn't wait to get out of, I mean, out of administration to come into faculty so that I could engage uh, with the students more. And I was already engaging a lot, but this was uh, uh, even higher level. But last night I, it was reminded, we always, we, we start them on the process during the interview. Think about what you're passionate about. Look at what the needs of your district and in, in your particular role. And let's figure out what questions you have that are problem that you want to solve. And then when you come to us, we'll be like, you know, let's roll up our sleeves and let's start on this. Like, let's get it going. And then our job is to provide the tools and the framework and the structure and the uh, coaching to move them forward. And, and, and truly like what a gift is that, right? I mean, what, that we're able to do that. You know, we're, we've been in administration um, and when you work with doctoral students, I have to, it's like teaching in fantasy world because they want it, they, you know, they really want to be there. They want, you know, they're, they have goals, they have aspirations, whether they're employment, whether they're uh, just to, you know, just to be more educated or to do consulting. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, uh, the re that, that kind of stuff, like that planning happens during this process, during the interview process, then bam, they get those classes when they start and we hit, you know, and we're working and our program is designed as such to build on that throughout the program, which is like why I think we have such a great success rate and graduation. That question rate. of what kind of problem do you want to solve? 
that is critical. I, I love that you asked that because it really makes a difference. And so I'm going to ask you, what kind of problems are they trying to solve? Oh, that, that was the, the question. Go ahead, Bill. So today, just today, one of our students that uh, Dr. Mulvaney and I are on their uh, committee, she uh, emails us this morning with her chapter two lit review. And so nor I think this is one of the things that really makes us special. Women in leadership was the topic. And to answer your question, we're seeing a lot around um, right now, social emotional learning, equity, all forms of equity, equity as it relates to in, uh, curriculum instruction, um, and so, you know, a lot, a, a lot of topics uh, around that. Um, and, and where can equity go? Equity, you know, going right down to emerging bilingual, point of entry students, which is such, you know, such a, a hot topic right now and making sure that we're with equity able to serve all of our students. Uh, race and racism, you know, uh, all of these things and more. But today, today we get this email this morning. So uh, one of our one of our students sends us 25 page lit review at like eight o'clock this morning. By 10 o'clock, I'm coming out of a meeting. I'm checking my emails. Dr. Mulvaney's already given her feedback. She's like, she's already, and this about the research question and this about the purpose of the study. And I think it's that personalized approach uh, that you get as, as part of a, a small private in the Northeast, right? I mean, we're in the Mecca, worldwide Mecca of higher ed you know, um, in the shadow of the Ivy League, right? So you better bring it. You better bring it every day. In a time when enrollment is really difficult, you got to bring it every day, all day. And that's the kind of personalized one-on-one -on -one approach you can get, you can expect to get in our leadership program. But those are some of the topics. Dr. Mulvaney, you might want to talk about more. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I think those are pretty, like we have a lot too that have to deal with issues and equity um, with special education, um, you know, as well. Um, a lot of a lot of personalized learning is happening, right? A lot of, and also uh, personalized professional development. So now I, I, I find myself being a little snotty when I go to one size fits all professional development. So I'm like, well, we know that this isn't the best practice because my student, you know, because Christine McCoy said in her study, like the research shows that, you know, personalized learning works for students, but guess what? It works for us too. Um, and so, uh, so it's, it's funny how, you know, it, it really enhances who you are. It makes you a better professor, a better teacher, a better leader, a better person, um, just through that kind of experience in working with somebody else. And I think that's really, really critical. And the the um, student that um, that Bill was referring to, she started just this summer. She started in the summer. She wanted to get a head start on her classes. Our classes usually start in the fall. And she's written a twenty five page chapter two already, and it was it was solid. But that same student um, was taking a class that had some internship hours for a certificate that she needed. And I was doing a writing to publish course and I wanted to publish, I publish in that. Like, I just don't say, well, this is how you do it. It's like, we're doing it. So um, I pulled her in from another class and I said, we have a group that is doing a, a book chapter or um, practitioner piece on women in leadership and on uh, supports and, and um, you know, and issues and supports for women in superintendent roles or in executive leadership roles. 
And, um, and we pulled her right in and she became a writing partner with students that one that's graduating right now. So, I mean, we, we have that ability, that flexibility to do that. And it's been really exciting for us. That coaching and mentoring component that you are embedding in here is everything. And because you're leveraging social media to highlight that, people feel like I'm not going to be in this alone. Like I have a partner in this. And I love what you spoke about is that you're all learning from each other, which I think is so cool too. And you really kind of highlight that. Now, both of you have mentioned um, women in leadership. And I, our CEO, actually, Jerry, I don't know if you remember the article, he did send an article about uh, the percentages of women versus men um, getting their... Um, uh, going through a doctoral program. So are you, what trends are you seeing nationally? Is it mimicked in, in Mammoth? What do you see men versus women? We have a, a, a much higher number of women in our program than, than men. And, um, you know, I, for me, I think, uh, I, you know, we've been seeing that trend kind of increase. And when we first set out our program, we were looking, we thought we were going to get principals coming to get their, their doctorate, to get their superintendents. But what we have now, and Bill had mentioned it earlier, are we have an abundance of teacher leaders. And the teacher leaders want to go through the program, get their principal, get their superintendents, and they are wanting to, you know, uh, they want to fly. And, uh, and so that's, that's really important. So, I mean, I see us, you know, when you look at the superintendents studies that are, um, that AASA puts out every year, I think it was like we went from 24% in 2015 or 2010. I just read it um, as part of this, this paper and I went back to the study and I sent it to her. And then um, to 20, almost 27% in 10 years. That's it. That's all we've grown in terms of, uh, of, of women in that, that position. Um, but now I think, you know, we're seeing just a, a lot more women uh, in in the role it, you know in in our program who who have those ambitions but they they talk about the things that that women talk about as barriers well i don't know if it's a good time because i i'm getting you know i might you know the, i'm i might have a family or i might I mean, we've had babies in our program we've had people you know and we're just like we will give you the support that you need if you need you know um if you need to you know before we went remote, if you need to remote in, we'll remote you in with your baby in your arms. We, you know, like we will accommodate those things. Um, and, uh, and we'll meet with you um, because we're out in the community a lot. Like I meet with, I'm meeting somebody, one of my dissertation, uh, someone I'm chairing his dissertation at his office tomorrow, because it's, you know, I said, well, it's just on my way here and mom is closed tomorrow. So I'll just, we'll review this on, uh, you know, I'll just stop in your office. I mean, it's just, you know, you go where the work is and you do it however you have to do it. And, uh, and that's what our commitment is. And, and Bill, everybody we've had attached to the program has had this energy. All of our, um, our, our uh, fellows, our, our faculty now that are at first, they were like, well, let's see how this, this goes. And only a couple faculty wanted to get on, you know, really get engaged in the work. And now we have faculty who really are, are key to our, our success, because even if they haven't had um, P12 leadership roles, they have re research expertise, they have foundational theory expertise. So those kind of, um, it's really, it's really helpful for us. And, and many of them do have uh, leadership as well. So that's been helpful. What ages are you seeing too? Because I know I've seen a trend lately where people were um, 
teachers are graduating from college, but then they're getting their master's right away. Whereas when I was younger, we would wait a little bit. And so that kind of like prolonged, then I'm getting into, that's part of the reason I didn't move. For, I actually just finished my master's a couple of years ago during COVID. I started three different programs and then got married. We started our family. And then it was all about my husband getting his three degrees. So it kind of shifted away and I just kind of lost touch, just had my family and kept moving. But I like the fact that people are getting their master's earlier. And do you think, are you seeing younger people in the doctoral programs as well? Yes, yeah, students uh, that come to us are typically younger now. And I think that's because they know that they need to continue to move on that salary guide by getting additional credits. You know, most salary guides, you move every 15 to 30 credits. Um, so it really allows them the opportunity to increase their earning potential as well as future opportunities uh, in advancement. So, Jimmy, I think that's a good point. I think, you know, when, when I was younger, the thought was that I was going to, you teach for a very long time before you become a principal, but there's so much turnover in the workforce in general now, and particularly in education. And the fact that in education, you don't, it's not comparable pay scale to business. You've got to, that, the, you know, the continued educational attainment and more degrees is, is key to, uh, to your earning potential. So that's a good and, and, and to add to that, you were asking about a trend. Another trend from when we went to, to college is the five-year program. So um, higher ed is really, really um, bolstered you know, nationwide, the five-year program. So you go for your four years, you do another two semesters and, and you're done. So, so you can come out now. And some people even earlier, if they go through summer school, they go, you know, like, um, but, but the five-year program is huge. And the more certifications you have, obviously, and endorsements, the more employable you are. So we get to, you know, we kind of get to sell, sell, not sell those things, you know, but, but talk about them in an educated way to say, well, here's the data that we get um, from the, from the state. And it says, if you have three or more certifications at Monmouth University, there's like a 99.9% .9 chance you're getting a job when you leave. I was wondering too, Post-pandemic, I guess we are post-pandemic at this point. Um, what are you seeing as the essential traits for a leader in a school district today? Has it changed? Is it different? Or More patience. <laughs> I was going to say, oh my, I'm on a school board too. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, but my school board is, um, my my uh, my significant other who's a superintendent, is, uh, somebody well, said to him once. Bernie, um, who was one of our first guests, Jerry. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so he um, he, he would say, um, someone told him once, like, don't get too, too uh, comfortable with the board because, you know, boards can be fickle and, you know, yours is just in, you know, mine's just in remission right now. So so my board's in remission. We're pretty well behaved and supportive of the superintendent. But, <laughs> but when you look at the political climate and the impact it has made on um, you know, the aggression, uh, and I can, I feel like I can use that word, um, and not be, you know, being, uh, dramatic, no, dramatic, dramatic about it, yeah. but it, it, the aggressive, um, uh, uh, parental complaints and the, uh, aggressive movements towards school boards directed at superintendents, um, by parents and, and even just political, uh, 
people that are very involved in politics who may or may not have kids in the school. And I Bill, think, you might know that better too. You know. I, I think uh, due to technology and social media and the strong political climate, as you pointed out, you have the army of a few um, who are not always rational um, and they project themselves as if they're a much bigger um, opinion than they really are. Uh, and I find that that is extreme and misinformation, you know, that be, because of social media and the political climate, so much is run by misinformation. And I felt like, I know that my colleagues, a lot of my colleagues are working very, very hard through newsletters, continuals connection, um, uh, video, you know, you mentioned Dr. Bragan. Dr. Bragan did a lot of video. He would he would do these uh, walk around videos. A lot of my colleagues are doing this to try to get them um, an honest, a realistic, and factual sense of what's really happening in education, which can be very difficult because of the misinformation put out on social media. Yeah, I mean, honestly, advocacy for your child, for your community, that is so important. But we also need to make sure that we are responding and not reacting and that we're really getting the full picture as you're talking about um, before we make moves like that. Um, yeah. yeah, not it's personalized because they're not attacking, you know, um, you know, they're not attacking you as an individual, they're attacking whatever the policy, the procedure, the, and sometimes I guess they could be attacking uh, the leader, but the, but the, um, I always am appreciative, even when parents would come in, when I was an administrator in P12 schools, they'd come in both guns blazing, just irate, and, and uh, just like a child, you have to de-escalate it before you can have a, a conversation. And one, you know, one way to always disarm them is to, you know, to validate. I don't, you know, I'm so glad you came. If I didn't know about this, you know, I need to get to the bottom of this. You're right. If this really happens, something needs to be done. And it seemed like when, you know, with just those words, they would come, okay, okay, I can, yeah, we can talk about it. You know, um, it's just a, it's a skill and a challenge and it's hard. You know, we read a book in one of our classes, uh, uh, Leading Beyond the Ego, where you have to really check your ego. You have to check it. Um, and uh, and that's, that's it's really critical. And there are people, you know, one of the things that I see, have seen in uh, people who don't really succeed in leadership roles or really tough educational environments in general are people that just cannot, uh, they just personalize it. They, you know, and you just have to let it go. You know, you have to just, uh, you know, know their, you depersonalize the situation and just listen and, and, and deal with it. But it is tough right now. It's really tough. And, it, and it's wearing on a lot of lifelong administrators who, um, who just, you know, they're, they're kind of post pandemic or during the pandemic, we had so many retirements um, and people just mic dropping it and hitting the door. Um, and so, and that's, I think another reason we, you see a little bit of an uh, increase in leadership enrollment, probably for some of that reason too, there's just more opportunities. Yes, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this is fascinating. I really think, and I, again, I, the reason I asked the two of you on is because I see such a great momentum because of how you're leveraging social media. I get to see it all. And I get to see the celebrations of um, 
you know, the people who are getting through the program. And I just think it must be such a great motivator. I think what you guys have, this, this formula that you have is really great for other schools to try to replicate. Oh, that rhymed, that was nice. Um, but, <laughs> but I think um, you have some really great tips here for other schools because you guys are churning them out. And uh, I think, it, you know, great success rates you have. Well, and that leads us to how can people follow you on social media? Is it your personal accounts or the university account? What's what's the best way? So uh, we each have personal accounts. Um, mine is is at, at my Twitter account is at Dr. Mulvaney, and my LinkedIn is Tracy Mulvaney. I mean, that's you know really creative there, right? <laughs> I was early on in the LinkedIn mode, so. Uh, um, I, I probably need to change that, but but I mean it's it's pretty uh, pretty easy to remember. And then Bill, you Bill uh, runs a lot of the accounts. Um, we we tag each other and you know high flyers or high tweeters on all of our our tweets. But go ahead, Bill. Yeah, uh, Monmouth University has a School of Education account. Um, we have an Ed Leadership account. Uh, my personal account is a Dr. George underscore at MU for my Instagram. Um, uh, my, my Twitter account is, uh, Dr. George underscore MU as well. So, um, we're, we're always tweeting and retweeting each other and, you know, and, and sharing on, uh, on Instagram. And so, uh, and, and it really is about the opportunity just to celebrate the successes of our students. And I would say for me, the, the greatest joy about all this is when I see, a transformational leadership project based on a really important topic that was developed from a needs assessment but from one of our students come to fruition and you could see their reputation growing because a student success that's happening in their district that's when it really all comes together for us you know that's when it's really fun it's easy to work with tracy because if you don't bring the energy on any given day don't worry She's got enough from for you. It's like a glow. All you got to do is close enough to feel the warmth, you know, and uh, and you, it picks up the energy level for me anyway. Well, it's part of just loving what you do, right? Like, uh, you know, we're both super excited about it. And we talk when we talk about it, anybody who asks, I could, I'll drop anything, you know, because it's just, it's so fun. And to your point, Bill, I, I think about, we had, uh, and I'm gonna use this as an example, and I'm going to use her name because um, she's uh, just awesome and she is coming with us to present. So uh, when we go to the um, National Conference on Education, but Nicole Trainer has become quite a regional little expert on, um, on all of the SEL stuff and she's with Long Branch Schools. And I remember the first, I remember her starting the program and being so shy and she she knew a lot about technology Jamie to the point of you know where this is um a lot of the talk uh should be really geared at technology we're not doing a very good job I'm not doing a very good job but anyway and she was really great and uh, a teacher but when she was around others and I think this is something that a lot of us kind of deal with is like a little I don't know if she had the imposter syndrome but I remember early in my career I did I, I remember do I belong here am I you know am I able to stand on my own two feet but Nicole when when um, I saw her do a presentation at a state um, at a state conference and I I was like almost in tears because like watching how much she 
has grown and her confidence. And we see that time and time again. And every time something happens, I get a text from her. Oh, that's so great that so-and-so is doing this. Like it's a, it's become a community. They all, like our, our graduates, our alumni and our current students support each other. We use our former graduates now. They're sitting on doctoral dissertations. Um, so we're like, it's just become this really nice community. And a lot of that has to do with social media. We can keep up with each other that way. Um, but, um, but to see that growth and to see them tweeting out their successes, um, you know, publications, their presentations they're doing based on their, I mean, they don't call us individually anymore because they're doing so many. They're like, oh yeah, I told you the first time I got accepted to a conference. Now they're, it's just part of their, you know, it's part of their yeah. shtick. They're doing them all the time. Yeah. Well, I think you brought up a good point. That, I'm sorry, that imposter syndrome too. Do you, you probably see a lot of that, but I think with the growth that you're seeing in them, a lot of it is because of that community that you're building. And I think the two of you model really great camaraderie between the two of you. I think that makes a difference too. A great example of a transformational leadership project or going back to what you said about you know the areas and we did hit on a couple of them, but the example of, of how it can make such a difference in student success, just before the pandemic, uh, we were deeply involved in the work around Future Ready. Um, and um, and Dr. Mulvaney mentioned Christine Requay and Wendy Morales, who her work was real focused on global education um, and Stephanie Anderson, whose work was on personalized learning, all of the, the, we had developed innovation teams in all of our schools through their work and the work that they were doing with their research and their transformational leadership projects. And when the pandemic hit and everyone had to switch on a weekend to virtual learning, we were so strongly positioned in Middletown because the work we were doing around Future Ready, because the work we were doing around their research um, to really hit the ground running. And um, I think that's what a transformational leadership, I think that's what a higher ed partnership can really bring. Uh, that combination of university uh, design-based research, which in and of itself is just theory. But if we're working with teachers and administrators and the practitioners on a daily basis, and we're partners in this work, and whatever your districts need, whatever your strategic plan is suggesting, if we can get behind you and get behind that with the research and have the, the leaders, the, the practitioners that are leading the way with this design-based research, everything's possible. You know. Yeah, yeah. I bet I, districts love it when they have someone in their yes. district that's in your program. I was going to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> Take right? them to a new level. Yes. Well, we have several superintendents that went through our program. So, and now they're teaching so they in know. it. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. I mean, they, uh, and in fact, we have the New Jersey State Superintendent of the Year was an alumni of our doctoral program. And now is uh, teaching was teaching in our master's program. Now teaches in our doctoral program. Um, oh, is that you know, Dr. So, Salvatore? Uh, no, well, he he taught in our program uh, before he he uh, switched institutions. But um, Dr. Smith, Will Smith. Um, wait, is that public now? <laughs> yeah, it's public. <laughs> yeah, it's public. Dr. Will Smith last week, superintendent of the year after being Ocean County 
superintendent of the year for three years running. He's now the state superintendent oh, of the yes, year. I and his, his work around um, equity from a standpoint of rigorous coursework, AP coursework, and getting, you know, doing away with the tracks and getting more students exposed to rigorous coursework and the impact that'll have on their ability to go on um, for future learning opportunities. It's just great work. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what you're doing to absolutely, you know, first and foremost, you're cultivating leaders, but really what's happening, and you pointed this out, Bill, is that you, there's this domino effect that kids are getting such great benefit from the work that your students are doing because of this impact. I mean, it's really, really that. fantastic. It is, it is. It's so, so great. So great. So I'm really pleased with all of the tips and suggestions that you all have given for a really successful um, running of a doctoral program um, because it's so upbeat. I love to see the post. So it's so upbeat and you're just, you get people over that hump, like the hump that Jerry's still over, I think maybe. Jerry might become a mom at the university. <laughs> well, I will say she would not be the first transfer we had in. In fact, we have had several transfers and, and the biggest reason um, that they give us is they don't feel they have the support. And when we interview them and we talk to them, they realize that they're gonna get the support. And now we have, I mean, we've had several completers who have said, I'm so glad I came to Monmouth. Um, we're, you know, we're smallish, although we're pulling in, um, you know, we're pulling in a good number of doctoral candidates and uh, it's, it, we're, we keep it at that place where if we feel like we can't give them what they need, um, you know, then we need to, we need to make changes in either how many we accept or um, our capacity, building our own capacity. So, yeah. Hey, hey Jerry, uh, Jamie keeps pushing it back to you, but I don't know. I heard that Jamie just recently oh. finished her master's <laughs> oh, and, good. you know, maybe we can get, you know, two for one thing kind of going here yes. you know we'll come hey. in as a team hey That's right and that maybe i'll get my book that i keep writing and not going anywhere that can be part of this whole initiative there you go. Be my project yeah. you're right yeah. you get yeah. two things done at once that's your passion jamie that's it man there we right. go you're right all right jerry we're gonna dive in together there we go like we do with everything else that's right <laughs> We're like Thelma and Louise, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Hey, teamwork is, it's, it makes it so much better when you have someone who- It really does. Shares your passion really and you guys work well together. And I'll tell you, we've been so fortunate in that our, um, that our teams, we've always had, well, we're pretty selective too. Like we bring people on who we knew are gonna bring great energy and support our students. Right. And if they don't support our students, we can't have them in our program. It's just that, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. So, uh, well, you so. two certainly set the bar high. That is for sure, for sure. Yes. All right. It's been such a pleasure to visit with you today. And I'm going to head to Twitter and Instagram and start following you and, <laughs> Great. and knowing what Jamie is referring to. So, thank you so much for being here and keep doing the great work that yeah. you're doing. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you pleasure. so much. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.